Uh, today we titled the message, uh, How to Reach a West Virginian. Uh, you know what? This went out on the, on the bulletin flash. I don't know if you get our bulletin flash, but it went out in the bulletin flash. I actually received a lot of solicited, unsolicited advice that I can't mention in church for how to reach a West Virginian, um, but they were, they were just great. Do you realize West Virginia? We can't laugh. We have our own West Virginia. It's called the UP. Okay, it's true. Hey, a pastor hasn't done his job unless I've offended some people. It's true. And, and so really what's of one is, is of the other. And so um, I know it's a little bit of hyperbole, but let's have a little bit of fun uh, with West Virginia and the UP this morning as we launch the Mast family. So um, you know you might be from West Virginia or the UP if you have an eight-track of John Denver's Country Road song. <laughs> yes. If your coffee table used to be a telephone cable spool. If you use an old rag for a gas cap. Some of you are like, hey, I do that right now. Okay. Well. If you had to remove a toothpick for your wedding pictures. I have no idea where that one came from, but there you go. You have it. If you think the stock market has a fence around it. And this one is especially for Pastor Jonathan. If you have one special baseball cap reserved for formal occasions. <laughs> yes. Actually, West Virginia is, is beautiful. It really is. It's gorgeous. And um, there's a lot of history in it. There's even houses that are made of coal. Um, it's home to the largest diamond, the over 34-carat diamond that someone found in their home. And they thought it was a quartz rock, and they stuck it in a cigar box. And it was there for 14 years. You imagine the shock in their face when they took it to a gemologist who looked at it and said, you have a 34-carat diamond. West Virginia gave us Mother's Day. So all the way back in um, May 10th of 1908 in Grafton, West Virginia, it then turned into a national holiday. Anna Jarvis uh, honored her mother posthumously. It also gave us state sales tax. We can thank West Virginia for that. I know there's some discussion, but it seems it was the first state to institute some sort of state sales tax in 1921. It has the oldest population in the United States. It claims to have the youngest and oldest serving governors of any state. And ironically, they're the same individual serving on either end of their life. And also, we now know West Virginia um, claims a family that we have grown to love and appreciate over these last two and a half years the Mast family. So we all have something in common with West Virginia. Well, how do you reach a West Virginian? How in the world do you reach out to these people? Well, we're going to get our clues today 
right from the text. It's not going to be complicated. But if you have your phone or your Bible text or whatever you have with you, if you're online, go ahead and key into Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And how you reach a West Virginian, here, a Jewish man who talked to 11 other Jewish guys in a completely different culture than what we're from, or than West Virginia, or than Northern Michigan, he came up with a plan. Jesus came up with a plan. And here's the crazy thing, it worked. It crazy worked. In fact, it worked better than anything we've ever thought of since. And it's better than any program we've ever imagined. It worked in Jerusalem, it worked in Judea, it worked in Samaria, and then it fingered out all the way across the globe, all the way to West Virginia, even all the way up here into the pinky of northern Michigan, into Traverse City, and I just want to share it this morning. This is not going to be complicated. It's going to be simple, and I believe it's simple by design. It's simple because that's exactly the way Jesus wanted us to enact how to reach someone wherever they are. So let's not miss this. This is how the text lays out. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. I'm also going to pop it up on the screen for you if you want to read it there. It goes like this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go, and when they saw him, now follow this, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And at that point, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So beyond how to reach West Virginia, I've also just titled this time together this morning, Natural Disciple Making. Natural Disciple Making. And it means what Jesus intended for us to connect with others wherever we are is to be normal, regular, sincere. It is not necessarily a special event. It is not contrived. It is not a put-on. It is not a show. Natural is by means organic, authentic, and it flows out of everyday life. So let's just look at it together. Here we are, Matthew 28. Jesus started out and he said, all authority has been given to me. So here's what he's saying. He just went to the cross, he just died, rose again, and the big question is, is what he did satisfactory? Did God look at it in a way and say, you know what, that is acceptable to me as what will take care of the sin of humanity? And so this is God's stamp of approval. Jesus said, you know what? God looked at my death on the cross for our sin. And he said, yes. That pays the penalty for those who believe. That pays exactly. It satisfies my wrath. And so Jesus says, you know what? 
I've got the green light. It's like getting the clear to close on your home. There's nothing stopping us now. Like, I have full steam ahead by God the Father because of my death on the cross. We're going to build this thing. Like, we're going to build the church. And then he tells his 11 disciples, and here's how I want to do it. So let's pay attention. Because this is not only for West Virginia. This is also for Traverse City and all over. Here's what he says. What's God's plan? What's the plan of Jesus? He's got the green light. How is he going to grow his church? And then he says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So I'm going to give you two points. There's just two points to this. Here's what it is. God's plan for making followers of Jesus. You ready? God's plan for making followers of Jesus is you. It's you. So in this... Right off in the text, he says, therefore go. So there's an implication. There is an imperative, a command with an implied subject. And the implied subject is you and it's me. It's us. Jesus says to his disciples, you are the ones. You're my plan. You as individuals are my intention to make followers of Jesus. So if you have breath in your lungs, if you have a pulse in your wrist, you are God's plan to make followers. If Jesus is your forgiver and leader, you are God's plan to help someone take their next step with God. It's not just for the preacher. It is not just for the paid professional. It's not just for the staff person. It's not just for the Bible college graduate or the orator. It's not just for super Christian, you know, the guy that just, wow, how do they do all this stuff? It's not merely for those individuals. The one who is, has the responsibility, the responsibility doesn't rest with a program. It doesn't rest with a gimmick. It doesn't rest in a building. It doesn't rest in a class or even a pastor. God's program to make followers of Jesus is me. We'll say it this way. I'm God's program would you say it with me i'm we are we're god's plan there's no plan b i'm god's program i'm god's plan now i know some people are gonna say um brian that sounds like a little bit of a stretch now if someone came to me and said how many programs do you have for disciple making i would have to say we have about 500 Do you have a discipleship pastor? Yes, we have about 500 discipleship pastors. Brian, that sounds too utopia. Really? Like you expect everyone to be involved in the disciple-making process? That's way too utopia. Well, I just want to show you something that I think will be a help for us to be able to visualize this. I, I was reading... Um, It's called Mission Box. It's a news briefing, and it dates back two years. And they gave the top 40 countries for evangelical growth. You ready for this one? The top 40 countries for evangelical growth. I'm just going to give you a heads up and, and tell you, the USA is not in the top 40. So if you're thinking, this is just too utopia 
To think that all the people are going to be involved in disciple making? You want to know the top country for evangelical growth? You ready for this one? Let me pop the stats up here. Here's how, these, these, here's how the growth rates work out. The top country for evangelical growth is Iran. 20% of their evangelical community, they multiply by 20% every year. Every year. The next one, Afghanistan. Is this not just crazy? And then at the bottom of the 40 are these two places, hardly a bastion of Christianity and evangelicalism is Nepal. Next door, India, with growth rates of their evangelical community growing by 5.3 and 4%. Now these are places where if you speak the name of Jesus... If you say, hey, let's get together and let's have a big program in church, like a big outreach or something like that, you're going to jail. You could be flogged. You could be killed. Like your life is on the line. And so you wonder how in the world, this is hardly utopia here. How in the world do they grow by such means when they have oftentimes no church building, no budget, no staff, no programs How do they grow in that way? And I'm just going to tell you, they grow the very same way that the church did in the very first century when Jesus talked to 11 Jewish guys. He says, guys, here's what we need to do. The burden's on you. The burden's on you as individuals. You're my plan. You're the plan. And you want to know, where's the USA in all this? Check this out. Point zero. 8% of our evangelical population. That's our growth rate annually. Our population rate grows 12 times that a year. Now, part of that's due to families like the Conovers that have seven kids, I realize. But our population grows 12 times faster than the church. We've got more programs you can shake a stick at. We have more resources, more opportunities, more staff. We have more everything. And what's the difference? It's people. Here's number two. I've got to keep moving. So God's plan for making followers of Jesus is you. I'm, I'm God's plan. I'm God's plan. You're God's plan. Here's point number two. This is really interesting because there's the implied you in the command. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So there's that implication, and it's an imperative. It's a command. He wants it to be on us, and then he says this. Go and make disciples. And so here's point number two. The first one, God's plan for making followers of Jesus is you. The second, God's program for making followers of Jesus is your everyday life. It's your everyday life. So here he says, I want you to go. And and the idea here, go is not the command, make disciples is, but go describes how we're doing this. And Jesus 
is depicting in this going, literally, he says, as you are going, like as you are moving through life, you are to be a disciple maker in everyday natural living that you do. So you go about your day as you connect with your regular people. That's the context that Jesus sets up for disciple-making commission. And I'll be honest with you, how I was raised and how I was taught was completely different than that. It's like, you want to reach a friend for Jesus? Let's have a friend day here. You want, you want to reach someone for Jesus? Let's have a dinner at the church. But here Jesus says, you know what? You want to reach someone for Jesus? Have your friend over for dinner. In the context of your life, instead of waiting for an event, our life is the event. Everyday life is the event. That is God's program for making followers of Jesus. So I give you this phrase. I wanted to kind of pop out there, but disciple-making was commissioned by Jesus to be personal it's commissioned by jesus to be personal so i'm I'm sure some of you want to say what does this look like you know how do i how do i do this like how do do we figure this thing out so i just want to give you a couple examples um you're going to hear this story in the next few months when we do our next baptism so I'm not going to tell you too much of it. Oh, it's just so good, though. So we, um, we, have, we have someone, and she's probably watching right now online. In fact, I hope she is. A friend of ours from down in Big Rapids that we've been able to build a relationship with. It's just natural life. It just came in contact with this individual, build a relationship with her, She's got three kiddos. And when I met this individual, she, man, you know, her faith, she had a number of challenges going on in life. We just walked through life together. We built a relationship. We were friends. And I I don't want to fill it all in because that's going to be their story in a few months. But you know what happened? COVID came. I don't know if you heard about that. And it came and... um, and her whole religious experience changed. I'm going to let her tell you about that. And then all of a sudden she decided, I'm going to watch online these crazy people that are up in Traverse City. She's been watching our service online. And she watches every week. And her kids watch. And in one of our services, we talked about Lake Ann Camp. How many kids uh, of your family have ever gone to Lake Ann Camp? Some of you people know what Lake Ann can do in the lives of kids. And so our kids went this year. So I remember her saying, you know, Brian, I, I want my kids to go to Lake Ann camp this year. And so this, this single mama, she really put it out there. And with a little bit of help, she was able to send uh, her two oldest kids to Lake Ann camp this year. And I'm just going to tell you the thrill of my life. Because this all just came out of natural relationship, coming alongside of them helping to walk with them for them to take their next step with Jesus is all we did. She sent her kids to Lake Ann Camp. You want to get the thrill of your life? My phone rang a couple weeks ago. I answered it. She said, Brian, my, my kids have something to tell you. So I, put, I said, yeah, put them on. 
And so they get on there, and here's what they say. They said, Brian, we went to Lake Ann Camp. I said, I know. Did you have fun? Yeah. Brian, we need to tell you something. I said, what's that? I got saved at Lake Ann Camp this week. Isn't that cool? So uh, I said, well, tell me what that means. Because, you know, sometimes we throw out the cliches. I said, tell me what that means. And so here, here's these two kids telling me, well, Brian, like they're probably looking at me, duh, you're a pastor. You don't know what that means, you know? <laughs> like, well, it means that Jesus died. I believe Jesus died for my sin. And, and I want him to lead my life. I said, right on, right on. And then they said this, and Brian, I got another question. I said, well, what's that? I said, would you baptize us? If that's a clap, I'm with you. Whoever that little noise is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, without a... Through the context of relationship, by investing in someone walking through life through their hurts and questions and answering them from the Bible, we get to see lives take their next step with Jesus. And you're going to get to hear the whole story when we have our next baptism. I'll tell you, though, one of my best ones. And I, I got about five right now, but we don't have that much time. And popcorn's going to be popping in just a moment. So here's one of the best ones, and that's right up here in this platform. I'll never forget, um, after a service, we talked through Joseph, and I came down front, and a young gal came down. She was 20 years old at the time. She had three kids. And her husband was in prison. And she was going through the toughest time of her life. And, um, and I talked with her, and she said, Brian, I've, I've been through church. I've been through it all. I know it all. I've been on missions trips. I've been in youth group. I, I've done everything that there is. And she's like, I, I am at the bottom of the barrel. And she said, I need someone. I need a relationship. I need someone who will walk with me. Her name is Adelaide. And so we yanked her in our small group. <clears throat> and then um, Joanna... It was Rhinus at the time, now it's Joanna Law. She's like, we're together on this. We're walking together on this. And that's what they did. They walked through the addictions. They walked through the hurts and the pains and the challenges. And whenever there were issues that came up, Joanna was there. If ever there was a guy that she was interested, Joanna's like, he's, he's trash, dump him. You know, <laughs> Let's look for someone that's good. Adelaide right now is no longer with us because she is married to a man who works at a Christian camp down in southern Michigan. And, yeah, that, <clears throat> that's not even the whole story because Joanna walked with her through life. And, and on a daily basis, they'd get together for coffee. They'd go out on girl stuff. They'd text every once in a while. It's through relationship that this made a big difference. And then you remember last week we had our baptisms and then there were, there were four individuals up here and then one on the end here was, or somewhere in here was Christy, Christy Masters. Because here's what happened, because Christy had a need 
And she mentioned last week her relationship was struggling. Her relationship was challenging, and she had two kiddos, and she was at the bottom, and even addictions were enslaving her life. And so here Joanna had partnered with Adelaide and walked through life with her. And then guess who came alongside of Christy? Adelaide. So here's how the cycle works. And Adelaide worked with Christy, and has done so over the past year. And then Christy last week stepped forward in our church and said, I want to go public with my faith. I want people to know I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And she's come to faith in Christ over the past year. So this is how it works. And it's so cool because Ben and Joanna were over our house the other day. And I looked at Joanna. She, I don't know, she's 25 or 26. You may have seen her up here with our worship team. And I said to Joanna, I said, how does it feel to be a grandma? <laughs> because that's what it is through life, through relationship. She took it on herself. In everyday life, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to make a follower of Jesus part of my life culture, not just relegated to church culture. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes anymore. Because some people just look at they look at the church and they're like, man, this has got to be good. We've got to put it on good. If someone's going to be a disciple, it's all about this. And so they'll say, man, I hope the band's good today. Man, I hope they play the songs I want because that is the best tool. Or they'll say, man, I hope the pastor, oh, I hope he's got his A game on. Don't screw it up now, Brian. You know, kind of like the Olympics, you know, like, you know, how they, how they judge at the Olympics and they'll say, well, you know, he did okay, you know, his approach was good, the delivery was good, didn't stick the landing. I'll give him a 7.4 on that one, you know. It's like all on this. Man, I hope we do it right or we just can't make disciples. And that's so not what Jesus set up. He started the whole church by saying, this is on us. The command is on us. Personally, every day. And it's a good thing he did, because you know what? It wasn't long after that, all of a sudden, boom, there was persecution. And if it was all about a building, they were toast. But it wasn't. And so when there was this persecution, everyone went, and they would be killed for sharing their faith. The Bible says, you know what? The church multiplied. It just took off like a wildfire wherever it went. And you know, I feel the exact opposite because you know what? When, when COVID came and all of a sudden they said, no meeting, you're limited, you can't do anything in your building, you can't get together, you know what? I didn't feel that anything went. I felt, I know we felt quarantined at home. I felt disciple making was quarantined in this building. And Jesus says it's not on a building. It's not on a specific program. It's on us in everyday life. And so if COVID came again, and I'm telling you folks, I'm praying to God it doesn't. 
if it came again and, and there's nothing we can't meet right now, I don't want to be scratching my head saying, how in the world will we ever disciple Traverse City? How will we ever reach out? I don't want to be thinking that because, you know, it's on us. It's in our relationships. It's with our neighbor, with our friend, with our coworker, with the individual that we go to school with. It's whatever context we're in. In everyday life, I take them one step further in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I, I know I need to work through these um, here. I'm going to work through them quickly. What are disciples' next steps? You're saying, where, how, where am I leading them? Like, where, where do I take them? I'm going to tell you that, and I'm going to tell you how to do it, and then we're going to finish up. Where do I take them? Well, the text tells you where to take them. It says baptizing them. So obviously, they need to come to faith in Christ. If they're not there yet, they need to be public with their faith. This isn't hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. So that's kind of the whole, help them go public with their faith. And it's by you doing the same thing in a natural organic way and then the text says and teaching them notice this to obey teaching them to obey teaching them to do teaching them to observe it's not teaching them just to know but teaching them to do it and so he's saying you know what you, you share your life you say here's here's how i walk with jesus here's how i do some bible time Here's how I pray in the natural course of your relationship with this individual. That's exactly what you do. You teach them to follow Jesus. You know what they may say? Man, I'm struggling in my marriage. Well, let me show you how you obey Jesus in your marriage. Struggling with my kids. Well, let me show you how you obey Jesus in raising your kids. I can't stand my employer. Well, let me show you how you obey Jesus when you deal with your tough employer. I don't like paying my taxes. Well, you know what? Neither do I. Let me show you what the Bible says about that. This is what I do. You walk through life with them. Here's the last thing, then we're going to finish up. How do we walk with others? How do we walk with others? Don't psych yourself out. I'm just going to give you these things. First one is have a friend in real life that needs you. Can I just bust something up here? Sometimes all of our friends are church friends. We see each other here. We'll say, hey, let's gather tonight. We get together tonight. Let's do a Bible study this week. We do a Bible study this week. Let's get together Saturday night and we'll just do something with each other. And all of our life orbits here. Can I just blow that one up a little bit? Say, God wants us to do this out there in real life. God wants you to infect other people, to be contagious. Have a friend in real life. We've connected with our neighbors. We love them. They're pretty cool people. Some of them watch online now, too. We just try to have a real relationship. They're not a project. They're a person. Have a friend in real life. Here's the second one. How do we do it? How do we walk with others? Be real. Be real. Have a real story. Like if you connect with your neighbor, if you connect with your friend at work, you don't say, well, this is the day the Lord has made. You know, I'm, it is. 
You can be real. And in that, you can help them. Because their life is real too. You have a story to tell. I have a story to tell. Part of my story deals with debt. Dealing with hurts, rejection. People can identify with that when we're vulnerable and open. Have a real friend. Have your real story. And then have a real life in Jesus to share. Sometimes people don't like this everyday evangelism because they may not have something real going on. They got churchianity going on instead of Christianity. Like if, if you tell them, hey, well, show people what you do. It's like, ooh, I don't do anything. I think I found the problem. Have a real life in Jesus to share. Say, this is what I do. And then number four, complete the cycle. When you've stuck with them, this may be a year, two years, three years, four years, ten years. Complete the cycle like Joanna to Adelaide to Christy. And you say, you know what your next step is? Your next step is to do to someone else what I've been doing with you. Here's some coffee money. Take someone out. And start sowing seeds just like me. Okay, we're going to finish. I pre-planned for the objections because there's some of you sitting right there right now just like I have and you say you know but I'm not ready for this (laughs) I'm not prepared I don't know enough I still have questions well interestingly enough here's what Jesus said early on when he started this whole thing verse 17 when they saw him they worshiped him here's the deal some doubted some had questions Some had concerns. I don't have this whole Christianity thing figured out yet, Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Go make disciples. One of your best ways to work through doubt is by helping someone else rather than using it as an excuse to say nothing. What a shakeup. What a shakeup. One person said when the church began on earth, check this out, the pastor was being executed as a criminal. That's Jesus. The chairman of the board was outside cursing and swearing that he had never been a part of it. The treasurer was committing suicide. Most of the board members had run away. And the only ones who showed any signs of faithfulness were a few ladies from the women's auxiliary. That was the early church. And look what God did through people just like you and just like me when in real life they shared their faith. Now, friends, that worked in Jerusalem. It worked in Judea. It worked in Samaria. That'll work in West Virginia. Of course, I'm probably pointing north right now. And it'll work in Traverse City. Because God's plan is you and his program is everyday life. Would you stand with me? God talked to you today. 
If you're still saying I can't do it, I'm going to leave you with the best words ever. It's Jesus in the very end. He says, you know what? And then if you're still concerned, I'll be with you. I'll be there. I'll help you when you're weak. I don't think you can do this on your own. You can't do squat on your own. I'll be with you always, he said. All the way to the very end. Just step out. I'll help you. Find a friend. Be real. Share your story with something you got going on in your life. Complete the cycle. Because we have the best message in the world. The message of the gospel of Jesus. So Father, in Jesus' name we pray. In his name, by his authority, because of what he's done, we pray. And for his church and his mission, we pray. God, use us. I'm not just saying use our programs. Use us. Use our lives out there. Use us, please. Do something special with us. Even if it's within the church, help us to find someone in relationship to take the next step with. Just to walk through life. We don't have to know it all. But we'll learn it as we walk with them. But God, use us, please. Help us not be church attenders only. Help us to be kingdom advancers, disciple makers for the glory of Jesus Christ and his gospel. God, your blessing on Jonathan, Precious, and the kids as they go. Use them. Be with them as we know you will. And together we pray in one voice, amen. Amen.